Hey everybody and welcome to the Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Here are your hosts, Josiah and Micah Keneally. Hey guys, it's Josiah Keneally and before we dive into today's episode, I want to let you know about an exciting opportunity. You're invited this July 21st and 22nd to our first ever Young Adults Today leader conference for the west coast at mariners church in southern california this is a rallying point for leaders for pastors for teams and for young adult ministry leaders college ministry leaders to rally together grow in their faith grow and planning and starting and strengthening their ministries planning out this fall exchanging resources and building relationships that can last a lifetime it won't be the same without you so join us this july 21st and 22nd at mariners church again it's in southern california you can find out more details and registration is at www.youngadults.today click on events and join us this july at mariners church in california west coast conference let's do it and here's for today's episode well, what's up, guys? Happy Monday. I'm Micah Keneally. I'm Josiah Keneally. Welcome to the Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about all things of the faith of the next generation and mm-hmm. reaching young adults in our world today. We consider it a gift that you guys join us on the journey by subscribing and, and leaving us a review or a rating wherever you're at. Sharing this with others helps the message go further. We're joined today by our newer friend, Connor Grimm. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. We're here in Minnesota, and it might be the first day of summer. We hit 80 okay. some yesterday, so no longer snowy and negative. So we're feeling that's good. Awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. I know. I'm sure Minnesota, probably to a greater extent, is like Denver. It can snow at like the end of May. Yep. And you're yeah. just like, yeah, the second you start seeing sun, though, you just like, you hope, but not too strongly, <laughs> you know, yep. you know, you don't want to get fooled by another snow. I was yesterday years old when I learned that we get four extra hours of sunlight in Minnesota no in the summer as compared to the winter. And like, I, I know obviously the days get longer, but I didn't know it's four hours. To me, that seemed like a lot. It's like, like a, a vitamin difference. D dosage for the <laughs> yes. eight months we get. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. All right. Now, real quick. I just got to say, you guys being from Minnesota, I'm a diehard Viking fan. There is a there is a story that's probably too long for this moment to explain why, but every year is our year. I'm believing it wholeheartedly. So, yes. Join the Viking crew every year. Can I get a skull yeah. clap? Connor, can I? Yes. Get a oh, dude, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we were Vikings fans as well. We were there for the singular playoff game, but we're believing in faith that next year we'll be there for the plural playoff yes can i get a witness let's go let's go we're coming off a weekend here in minnesota where it was called the ya weekend and we had actually paul allen the voice of the vikings no way yeah he he closed out and i mean his testimony is one where 57 years old and four years ago he didn't know that Jesus was God on earth. So he has had a radical transformation. God's using him to organically share the gospel. And by the way, we were now linked together with a a fellow Vikings fan. um, Yes. Yes. Better friends, but 
We're joined with Connor <laughs> Grimm, and he is young adult pastor at an amazing church mm-hmm. in Denver, Colorado, called Red Rocks Church. We love Pastor yeah. Shaw Johnson. We love mm-hmm. just um, Red Rocks worship and Red Rocks young adults. I remember over a decade ago, uh, the place I was living, we had YouTube on our TV, and I remember searching young adults, and the first place that I could find at that time that was streaming mm-hmm. young adult messages and talks was Red Rocks Young Adults. And so we're going to talk Gen Z, Mm -hmm. um, Red Rocks Young Adults, reimagining young adults. But Connor, before we do, you can go there and tell us how you became a Vikings fan, but share uh, the (laughs) story of life and leadership with us. Man, life and leadership. Um, I, I never in a million years wanted to be doing what I'm doing right now. I actually, um, my mom, as I was like growing up, you know, was like, especially as it was getting time to do like college and stuff like that. She was like, do you want to go to, uh, I I grew up in Virginia. So you want to go to Liberty? And I was like, no, but just to like, kind of appease her, I went on a tour. And the second I found out you had to wear like a collared shirt and khakis, I was like, dude, I'm out. I'm out. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, but always kind of did that sort of like Christian on the weekends with my family, totally somebody different, um, in high school, just with my friends and didn't really become a real follower of Jesus, didn't have that moment where Jesus became real to me until my freshman year of college. I was playing basketball with a guy, uh, pickup basketball. He was an old D1 player. He was 6'5", so he was easy to just recruit to my team. Um, he kept on inviting me to Bible studies and um, you know different like men's night things. And, and for the longest time, I was like, dude, I'm, I'm good. Like I don't need this, whatever. Um, and then finally I just from playing basketball with them was like, this guy is different. Like he is just so different than any other like Christian I've ever met before. So I'll go, I'll go with him to like one of these Bible studies and I started going, we started having conversations about faith. Um, and I just realized that the faith he had was so much different than anything I had ever experienced or encountered. And I remember one day right before Christmas break, my freshman year, um, praying to receive Jesus uh, at my college little desk in my dorm room. And I wish the scale would have said the same thing, but I felt 50 pounds lighter. I like, I I knew what it was like to be like transformed. Um, And ever since then, I just felt like God calling me to pursue um, pastoring in some capacity. I I switched schools. I went to Southeastern University in Florida, Um, actually came out to Denver, Colorado to help start a church. And through that, actually through the generosity of Red Rocks, they them giving us money, volunteers, music equipment, lighting equipment, like all for free, um, found out about them. And then one of their drummers actually one day was like, hey, you look lonely. <laughs> and I was like, I am. I'm at, I'm at a church plant with people probably in their 50s. The people were reaching were in their 50s and 60s. I was the only one. I was 22 at the time even remotely close to my early 20s. And young adults had just been around for about a year. And so I actually started as an attendee, um, then a volunteer, then an intern, then um, a volunteer coordinator. And now I kind of run the whole thing, which is just wild to look back on and think about. So. Oh my God. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think we can relate to you on those things of never thinking that you would be where you're at today, only by the grace of God, right? Only yeah, by seriously. divine 
interactions with people of saying like, Hey, I'll give you a shot in ministry. Hey, do you want to do an internship? Hey, you look lonely. Like, do you want to come join yeah. us? You know? And yeah. I think that's such an awesome thing to be like used by God, but have other people in our life be obedient yeah. to God yeah. in the same vein, you know, of calling out greatness and the simple invitation, right? You were one invitation yeah. away from feeling that 50 pound burden of whatever being lifted. You're like, this is real transformation, you know? And I always say every single person we come across is one invitation away from heaven, one invitation away from Jesus eternity versus the alternative. And that's not fair to withhold that information. And that's not fair for us as Christians to have the answer, not be the answer, but have the answer and withhold that from somebody we despise, you know, and have a heart and a burden for a generation that needs Jesus so desperately. So Connor, I just be so curious, like, why do you believe that reaching the next generation um, and the importance of young adult ministry is so vital in our day and age? Man, you see it um, statistically everywhere. Uh, I, I, uh, there's there's a statistic that I randomly saw come out on a Jerry News that Instagram that Instagram page. Oh, I don't want to date myself and, and say it incorrect, but um, but, uh, but I, I don't watch the news. I don't watch Fox. I don't watch CNN. I kind of just like you know get my news from Instagram, which is probably both good and bad. Um, but it came out saying that our our world, our culture is actually experiencing like a loneliness epidemic. Um, and I think one of the things that I found in my time of doing ministry, specifically young adult ministry, um, is that Jesus is definitely the answer to our eternity, but right now people aren't looking, they're not having these eternal questions, maybe internally, but they need answers to life. Um, and, and I've actually been doing a study through John and throughout the book of John, Jesus talks about life 10 times more than he ever talks about like heaven. Um, and what I what's so amazing is that Jesus is relevant to every desire, longing question that your soul ever has. And so right now, I don't think our culture has or I don't think the greatest question our culture is asking is like, what what is life after death? I think they're asking, what is life like? What does it mean to be human? Yes. What does it mean to like live well like why why am i pursuing all of these things and i still don't feel like i'm alive and i'm living mm-hmm. and um what i love so much about jesus is that he actually primarily and like especially in the book of john is like life is actually why i came yep. and those who find life in me now also have life eternal um heaven seems to be this nat- natural destination for people who find life in jesus right now and so um, I don't know if that answered the question, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I'm just, I'm so excited because I think more than ever, um, our culture is crying out for life. And I think that that is the call of church and especially the call because in, within that loneliness epidemic, 18 and 25 year olds are the highest yeah. target of, of being lonely. They're the highest percentile mm-hmm. in that, in that poll. And so, man, we have what people are looking for, which is life. Um, and, and that's what gets me excited about what I do and, and what I see like within the culture right now is that, man, Jesus isn't just the answer to after you die. He's the answer to right now. And that's what people need. Oh, my gosh. 
You're you're dead on the money with that. I just saw a tweet from an account, I believe they're called Unusual Whales, but kind of the same moment that you had a friend tagged me in it. And it, it said something, the effect of um, the number one question that's being Googled right now or searched even on YouTube is how do I make friends? And mm. this is not a new question. You know, that's it, to a certain extent, you could say, well, that's not a new question. It's age old. Like we're, we're one of our hierarchy of needs is belonging and, and to be known and to seen. And, and I say, yes, that's true. It's just being asked at a record frequency. Wow. And yeah. you talked about loneliness individually for you personally. Um, I think that this is leaders this is our time to have our eyes opened, mm -hmm. to have our antennas up to say like, Hey, do you need somebody to sit with? Is this, is this your first time? I'm just so glad to see you. Would you like to meet any of my friends? And mm -hmm. uh, I'd love to introduce you to some people. When you go the extra mile like that, watch out because yeah. people are longing for it. They're, they're, there's yeah. something that we have to offer that even the tangible mm -hmm. in-person ecclesia, the gathering of God's people. Hello, yeah. this is like, this is a gathering in yeah. person. There's something that we can do in person that we can't do online. Yeah. And that's Mm -hmm. tangible it's the presence it's it's the hands and feet of Jesus and uh I, I get excited talking about that oh yeah and I just think about so I went through a bible study like as a woman in ministry as a leader as a, somebody who's like mentoring people and being mentored I think for the listener is to be mindful that you're a leader and you need friends too leaders can be lonely even though everybody's Facts. looking to you in the room like you have all the answers you're like I'm just an insecure leader in a position that I didn't earn. Like I've just said yes yeah. to God, like what? So just even recognizing, like if you're a leader listening and you find yourself in mm. lonely and you find yourself isolated or you find yourself being resentful towards God's children or the congregation or the position that you've said yes to, or maybe that God's orchestrated for you. I just want to encourage you to start seeking out mentorship yourself, start seeking out counseling. If need be start seeking out cohorts or study groups that you're not the one leading. You're not the one in charge. Yeah. And when I was, um, got into a group of like 60 other women and we went through this study by Susie Larson. She's a local author here in Minnesota. And she wrote a book called fully alive. And she just like cut straight to the chase, like in the heart of like, when is the last time you felt fully alive? What makes you feel fully alive? And why are you not living that out each and every single day? Because if we're living yeah. in the past of like, well, 10 years ago, this is my answer. I was like, well, 10 years ago, I remember running on a trail, being a personal trainer, called to ministry, and I'm just running by the river. And I'm like, I'm by my loan, like at my peak in like the sports world, like I feel fully alive. Like my mind goes to a memory like that, where I felt physically alive, spiritually filled up. But wow, I should be drawn from the wellspring of life each and every single day, like you said, and that's Jesus. So why am I not or where am I not living fully alive when it comes to being a follower of Jesus? Because we should be the most filled up, the most outpouring people that the world will ever see. And I guess what she really challenges everybody to do is like help identify what is that root of why you're not living fully alive and how can you get there again? And what route do you need to take? So maybe that's for a listener right now. And you're like, Oh my gosh, like I just feel dead and dry. And I feel like I just show up. And so I just want to encourage you, if that's you lean into the promises of God, lean into a community. If you feel like you yeah. can't trust again, maybe there's friendship circles or groups or something that needs to take place in your heart that can help 
weed out some of that loneliness and bring in the goodness of God because leadership is and can be very lonely. It's whether or not you're going to choose to feed the loneliness or you're going to feed the friendship. So I don't know. And I mean, I, I know I'm not sure if it's still the vision or mission, um, but I would imagine it's similar, maybe just the phraseology. I know for a while you guys at Red Rocks had landed on helping young adults find their people, their yeah. place and their purpose. And along the way, you guys have innovated, you've reimagined. And I think that my hope of this conversation, Connor, is to help the listener, the pastor, the parent, the young leader, mm-hmm. reimagine the gospel, reimagine the um, the impact that discipleship can have for the next generation. And in young adult ministry, can you talk about, you know, even how you guys mm. have structured things or what changes have taken place or like... You guys are on the cutting edge of so many things. Talk about and help us reimagine young adult ministry. Man, well, I'm, I'm, it's funny to hear you say that because there are days where we're like, what are we doing? Like, none of us, we're, we're building a plane while we fly it. So maybe that, that feels innovative, but I don't know. No, I think, um, man, there's, there's so much, uh, that, that goes behind this answer just, but for the sake of, of consistency um, and, and being concise. Um, we, we truly just believe that the things that God wants to do weirdly are new and ancient, like at the same time, mm-hmm. um, you know, for so long, uh, like for us, I'll give you just a small, small example. We, we wanted to reimagine our groups. We noticed that for like two years, we only had about three or four young adult groups consisting of about maybe 30 to 40 people. And we were a ministry at the time of like 750, 800 on a weekly basis. Um, And a lot of the feedback that we were getting from our group leaders was, am I committing to this for life? I don't know how to lead a Bible study. Like, you know, like I I feel, I don't feel like confident enough to like train people in like the ways of God. And, and my team and I were reading through the Bible and we saw that Jesus loves dinner. I know it sounds so weird, but like Jesus loves dinner. Rarely did Jesus ever have people over or go to somebody's house for a Bible study. He went for dinner. Um, And through that, these genuine connections and conversations were being made. And so even just a small shift that we made, I, I, I wouldn't even consider this cutting edge, but we've almost done away with like the Bible study in our small group. Now you can still do that for sure. You can do a Bible study, a book study. But what we really champion, or we just call like dinner parties, like we just like if you are a group leader, you're going to open your home or in Denver, your studio, condo or or apartment, whatever it is, um, your parents' basement, and you are going to have people over um, and just have dinner and connect. And as the leader, the, the bare minimum we want you to do is to just talk to people and ask how you can pray for them. Um, because I feel like sometimes we, we, over-spiritualized discipleship. Um, you can't disciple somebody who's like not bought in to like Jesus or what, or what you, what you want to do. And so I think for us, just one of the most more simple things um, is just being human, connecting with one another and modeling it after what Jesus did. Did Jesus have thousands of people come and did he teach? Absolutely. And that's what we, replicate on our Thursday nights is a larger gathering where there's teaching and instruction, but 
the majority of the stories where Jesus does miracles are actually in like very intimate settings with people. And so um, we're just trying to figure out how do we take something that is big and also make it effectively and equally as powerful when it's in somebody's home as well. So. Oh, I love that. I think it's so good. And I think to, we don't have to reinvent the wheel on so many different things. Like dinner is dinner and come in, come and join us. And one thing that we say in our ministry is that there's always room for more. We'll pull up another table, yeah. a leaf in the table, whatever it is, we'll have more chairs. Like we'll, we'll, we'll do what we have to do to make room. And I just think that's so beautiful to just be like, how can I pray for you? What's yeah. going on in life? And to see people laugh and to let their guard down and to know that, wow, this is a home that is a home of peace. This is a home that we can talk about God and where there's no judgment here. Like we're just going to be who God created us to be. And I think many leaders who are listening to this podcast are like, they're starting to strengthen their ministry or they're desiring to strengthen or they're starting the ministry. Exactly. And they're like, where do I begin? And I think so many times we overcomplicate it with, I mean, Jesus didn't sit around the table with strobe lights and, and music playing and fog machines yeah. and all that kind of stuff. He's like, hey, we're just going to sit on the ground level and just embrace each other's through conversation. So for the leader who might be starting or desiring to strengthen the current ministry that they're leading, what advice do you have for them? Oh man, I would say what I'm finding out is ministry is about the needs of like people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm bent a certain way. You guys are bent a certain way. I, I don't put too much stock in it, but I'm a four on the Enneagram. I I love to do weird artsy. Like I, I'm a painter. I love to paint. Um, and, and I realized I would try to like lead and pastor out of that. And it just wasn't connecting with people like a ton. I mean, there is something about like pastoring and leading out of who you are. Absolutely. But, but if you're called to be a pastor, the call is to see the need of the people and respond to that. And I think like that, man, if somebody's like starting or wanting to strengthen, I think you cannot go wrong in our day and age with letting people know each other, um, creating a space for people to know each other. That's the loneliness piece. But I think too, for the longest time, um, there's a, there's a fine balance. Um, I, I think maybe this comes to the teaching and preaching aspect of, leading people somewhere but then also answering the questions that they you know they have that you might maybe isn't sexy to like necessarily talk about like we're uh we're about to do a series in this summer all on new age spirituality i don't know how big it is in uh, minnesota but in denver it is nothing to go to a coffee shop and see people doing tarot readings or um you know, the little moon crystals or whatever is in everybody's like windowsill. And, and it's amazing because I think that having more and more conversations with young adults that come here, there's very much a Jesus and this like sort of culture. And I think for the longest time, myself, maybe personally, I was like, oh, well, they'll figure that out. They'll figure out that there's nothing in tarot reading or whatever. But what I'm learning is no, like people have questions and if we don't answer them, somebody will, you know, um, and we've got to be the place that's safe um, for people to come to with those questions and people who are aware enough to speak to like what what is actually going on in people's life. For us, that's like terror reading. For us, that's like deconstruction. Denver is a huge deconstruction um, 
city. I mean, I know it's not like unique to us, but mm-hmm. a lot of people move here um, and kind of, you know, separate from their faith. And so this fall, we're doing a huge series on deconstruction, which I guess for a while I've been a little gun shy about because, you know, you, you never want to be aggressive and like try to hurt somebody's feelings or whatever. It's a sensitive subject, but I'm just realizing that if we don't talk about it, other people are. Yep. Um, and they're talking about it in ways that aren't leading people into healthy places with their faith and, and with Jesus. And so that's our call. If we're going to step into this age group, if we're going to reach the 18 to 25 year olds or whatever your framework for young adults is, you have to be a voice that people can go to um, and have these open and honest discussions and pointing them to the truth, you know, in Jesus. Oh my goodness, Connor, that strikes just, um, it, it resonates with yeah. me and and with, I think our approach would be similar. And I remember reading about a pastor who each year of his ministry had read like 50 or so books, like let's just say a book a week and got up and preached the same messages again and again and again. And he retired mm. and they, somebody commented or, or he might've passed, but it was like either at his retirement or the funeral, they're like, yeah, you read so many books. And the congregation was shocked because he had like never shared any of the knowledge that he had learned in his messages or like he, he kind of just welded up. And I think on the flip side of somebody who just passed at the time of recording this, this week, which is Timothy Keller, pastor to church redeemer yep. and, New York mm-hmm. City and 90% of his congregation at one point was like single mm-hmm. young adults, young professionals in Manhattan and, and just in the heart of the city. And one of the things that I've learned from Timothy Keller and his book, The Reason for God, he just unpacks the questions. First of all, he answered the questions that people were asking, yeah. specifically young adults. And I think one thing that he did over the course of his ministry that we would all do well to learn from is anytime he got a question like repeatedly, say more than once, like, okay, somebody stayed in line to talk to him after a message, or he was at a coffee shop with a young adult and they asked him this question. And again and again and again, he'd he'd see, okay, this is a pattern. He would like write down the Mm -hmm. answer, almost manuscript of like, this is my theological cultural exegesis, scriptural exegesis. And this is kind of the answer and framework for that question. Mm -hmm. And then every Sunday he would get up or many Sundays he would get up and almost have a message within a message. And it was, he would unpack one question a week or one answer a week. And so, and it's not to say this is what we should do, but I, I think you're onto something, Connor, of like young adults are asking questions And part of our heart is that they would feel comfortable and safe to answer Mm -hmm. or ask the questions. And then in our messages or in our podcasts that we would be answering the questions that people are actually asking. Mm -hmm. And um, if you want to go here, you might've already done it, but if you had to just share for the pastor Mm -hmm. or for the listener, what are some of the struggles, the challenges, the questions that you see specifically Gen Z is up against? Oh man. Um, I, I, this sounds so, so cliche, but I think that it is so easy to be formed, um, by our phones, you know, and I am not, I I love John Mark Homer, um, but I'm not wired like him whatsoever. I am not a big Sabbath guy. Um, I love doing, and I rest by like creating, um, 
but I, I do think where he hit the nail on the head with his um, ruthless elimination of hurry is sort of just us being like shepherded by our phones. We were a generation. Well, I'm not, but the generation coming up is I think a generation that doesn't really know who they are. Um, they're being told to be one thing. Our culture has a narrative of what's accepting and acceptable. Um, but I think deep down in our souls, we know that it's very contradictive. Um, I, I think they're looking for a voice to offer them some type of consistency, congruency, and one that like leads to peace. Um, and I think that, I think that what is also interesting is I, th I think we've kind of seen the rise and fall of sort of like the social media, like mega church pastor. And what I mean by that, not is in any type of moral failure. But what I'm saying is, I think that they want to see people doing this in real life. You know what I mean? Like anybody can go on YouTube and get a message 10 times better than anything I could ever preach about any subject, um, especially if Tim Keller's involved. But uh, <laughs> but I think what they're looking for are like, who are the voices in my life that are actually present in my yeah. life yes. that are actually yeah. like... Um, modeling this not just from afar not just from like a screen um but but i can actually see them walking this out and can see the fruit of their life that's why i think like um i i have this deep deep conviction that the future of the church is smaller but 10 times more influential um in people's life i think that it's it's pastors living and being with their people mm. having communities um opening up their homes sort of that old school christianity you know what i mean yeah. um and, and again you know andy stanley has one of the best sayings do for one what you wish you could do for all um i'm not saying that every pastor needs to have every congregant in their home you know that that'd be overwhelming especially for i'm an introvert um i would that would give me anxiety but 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 the intentionality of, hey, you can preach a great message. Um, you might you might post some good stuff, tweet some good stuff. But what's your life look like behind the scenes? Like, man, I think that I think that answers so many of the things that this younger generation is like looking for, because what they're looking for is an identity. What they're looking for, again, is life. Yeah. Um, where's my life found? Is it found in my sexuality? Is it found in what I do for a living? Is it found in how many followers I have? Is it found by how much I can travel or whatever? Like, you know, they're looking for people who have found life and then modeling that life mm -hmm. actually is better with Jesus. Um, so yeah, I think, I think they're up against a lot. I, I really do. I know sometimes we can give Gen Z a hard time, but I can't imagine growing up with the world at my fingertips. Um, on, on a phone in my pocket, you know, I grew up in the good old dial up days where I had a, I had an AOL handle, you know, mm -hmm. like that was, that was new, like, you know, and so I feel like they're up against a lot, but I feel like the future has also never been brighter, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. I just made a, made a note to like found life and live life. Like we want to see people live and leave a legacy as leaders. And I think like, that's what 
the next generation is looking for. One question that we always get is not how do I make friends? In addition to that, it's where do I find the good mentors? Who can I trust that can speak into my life in this specific area that is actually being lived out with pure and holy intentions? And and so that's kind of just been the uh, uh, one of our prayers for the generation that's actively living like Lord rise up the good leaders and mentors and discipleship. And it, we don't need to overcomplicate it. We don't need to say, you know, I'm giving you full control over all areas of my life. Josiah, make my decision for me. Should I do this in school or that in school? He's not God. He's not the Holy spirit. We can teach you how to function in that. And we can point to you, uh, point to truth in the word of God in we can see your natural gifts, talents, and abilities. Like, so really realizing and recognizing that as leaders, like our voice and our prayers matter and have merit to many more people than we possibly could even think of. And we might not always know that or understand that or be reminded of that on this side of eternity, but to keep in mind that everybody's hurting, everybody's broken, many are lost. And are we willing to offer them the bread of life like somebody offered us? And um, Connor, we want to offer you the five and five challenge. Are you up okay, for some let's fun? Do it. Let's okay. do it. Let's so do it's it. five questions, five minutes, rapid fire. Number one is what has God been teaching you lately? Um, what has God been teaching me lately? I think I just shared this with my staff yesterday. I think that the secret things of God are revealed to those who are willing to know him the most. And what I mean by that is I feel like God has put some dreams and desires on my heart. And weirdly, I haven't been able to flesh them out to the, to the fullest degree. And the other day I was praying and I was asking God, um, and I was like, God, these feel like secrets you've buried deep inside of me that I can't get to. And I felt like God spoke to me and was like, the only way you can excavate what I've like put inside of you is just by knowing me like more and more and more. Um, so God's been teaching me that. And then also just the most creative, um, most imaginative person in the world is Jesus. I think sometimes when we as leaders want to be innovative in our ministries, we think that we, we need to be holy or that God makes us holy. And then we have to bring our innovation to Jesus. But the Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. And if the first thing God ever did was create, he's the most creative person in the world. And so mm-hmm. Jesus is an innovator. He's a creative um, he's the most imaginative person to ever walk the face of the earth. And so I don't need to bring my imagination to my ministry. I need to tap into the imagination that Jesus has that he's given me through his spirit. So, so good. Yes. And I amen. Love it. How about this in the spirit of imagination? If you could go one place you haven't gone and bring one snack with you, what would you, where would you go? What'd you bring? One snack. Oh man. Where would I go? And where would I bring? I think I would go. This might sound weird. I think I would go to Mexico City. Um, my wife is is half Mexican, and I I love food, and I know their food culture is just absolutely blowing up right now. So I'd go to Mexico City, and I don't know if this is a snack, um, but this is a drink called Poppy. It's like a prebiotic uh, soda. I'm like a diet Coke, Coke Zero fiend. And I just know the older I get, I need to get something better inside of me. And so this is sort of like a all natural hippie soda, but it is fantastic. So I would go Happy. to Mexico City and I would be drinking this on the way. And that's going to be your new nickname if you're not careful. Poppy. Poppy. You're going to carry that Poppy, around. Yeah. They're going to know, hey, yo, Poppy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. I love it. 
All right, here's a here's the curveball. If you could ask Josiah and myself one question today, what would you ask us? Can be anything under the sun. Keeps us on our toes. Fun, ministry, whatever, anything. Okay. Um, oh man, let's see. If you could have dinner with one, like a group of people or like celebrity, let's say you could bring two or three people to dinner with you, anybody in the world, um, currently living or dead, who would you, who would you have? I know who I would say. Okay. I love Chip and Joanna Gaines and he's a goofball and she's just fun and she can cook. So I would want Chip and Joanna Gaines around the table with us. And I also would want um, Candace Cameron Bure and her husband. Uh, I can't remember his name though. Brain fart. He plays to play hockey. Oh, wow. But I think those are two people who are living out their faith well, who have influence and platform. And I, in my opinion, they still are walking humbly with God in the limelight. So those are, those are people that come to my mind, HGTV and that kind. <laughs> oh my goodness. Josiah's a lot more theological and deep than I am. He's probably like, I, I don't know. I love people. So, I mean, I could say the Vikings team, the twins, yeah. a couple yeah. people, um, not a couple of tribes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, okay. Here's, here's a few, you know what I've, um, I'd say like, I've, I've wanted for a while, um, just love passion, passion conferences, passion city church. I think lunch with Louie would be fun. Lunch with Levi. Yeah. Now that's a podcast lunch with Louie lunch with Levi. Take that note boys. (laughs) There you go. Hey, uh, weirdly my pastor and, and, and Levi Lesko have become really close and I don't know too many of those kind of people, but I do know from the little I've interacted, Levi is the real deal. He is, one of the kindest, most amazing pastors and people. So those are good people to get lunch with for sure. There you go. We had him on the podcast and then I saw him in person and I thought he was a lot taller. So I was like, he's like my exact size. <laughs> like, he's like, hey buddy. I'm like, whoa. I thought he was That's like awesome. six two. <laughs> oh, That's but, today. <laughs> back to you. Best advice that you've ever been given, Connor. Oh man. There's a guy who actually, not a lot of people know this. His name's Scott Brugman. Um, He started Red Rocks. And before um, our very first Sunday, he felt like God told him to hand it over to Sean to be the lead pastor. So a lot of people think, and this is no no shade against Sean whatsoever, but a lot of people think that it was Sean who like moved out here and kind of got the groundwork laid for Red Rocks. But it was actually somebody else um, who then like handed it over. And when I was an intern, Scott's kind of become a mentor for me. And he always has this saying, he's like, you can either have a proud or a humble success or a proud failure. Um, And so it's kind of whenever you're going to make decisions, maybe especially decisions that might elevate you or be like a, a, a promotion for you. He just always says, look for the humble success because you can, you can choose pride, but it'll normally end in failure. So um, humble success or proud failure is sort of the the best advice I've ever I've ever been given. It's so good. Well, here's the last and final question. If we were to hand you the microphone and if you were in front of um, young adults today, and if you could give them one piece of encouragement, what would you say to them? Oh, man, you can't fail. Um, the failure is not a thing. Uh, I, I I've been on this journey myself where. I've been looking at the parable of the talents and the one thing Jesus gets mad about uh, with the guy with the one talent, it wasn't that he had little ability. It wasn't that um, 
it was that he didn't try. He didn't try anything. Um, his frustration didn't come from him having a small amount of ability or talent. It's that he didn't try to do anything with it. I actually think he would have been less mad if the guy would have gone and tried something and failed than if he would have, you know, just did what he did and like buried it. And so, I, man, I just don't think you can fail. I think we, I think so often we put so much pressure on the will of God for our life for the purpose of God for our life that we almost freeze and we look back 30, 40 years later and realize we never tried anything with our life. Um, young adults are in this amazing place to where they can try with very little repercussion of if they have a setback. Um, once you start having kids and a family and homes, while I still don't believe you can fail, I still believe that you're learning and you're growing. There might be some financial repercussions to some of your decisions that you might make, but Man, I think just in this life, God has is so good and so unreasonably gracious to us that he's set us up to where if we love him, if we're pursuing him, we just can't fail. We, all we do is try. And if we make a mistake, he corrects it. He brings us back up and he asks us to try again. And so um, that'd be my piece of advice. Like, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Because you can't, you know? So good. Such an encouraging note to lead on and to leave us with. Connor, thanks so much. This is the Young Adults Today podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to subscribe, leave a review, and share this with someone you know. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.